Hello and welcome to CAP Sunday. Thank you so much as a church for partnering with CAP to find out more about poverty in Australia. It is my great honour and privilege to welcome Tim Hanna, the former CEO of Compassion, who's going to share with us today about poverty and the church's response. So here he is. Hi, my name is Tim Hanna, and I have the great joy and privilege and responsibility of speaking on behalf of CAP, Christians Against Poverty, who are an organisation doing a great job working in Australia, working with those under the blight of poverty, impacting and making a difference in their lives. So it's a great joy to be here to share that with you today. You know, poverty is a horrible thing, and I will talk a bit more about that in a moment. But let me first take you back to the first century. Poverty is not just a, a modern day phenomenon. It's always been there for thousands of years. Let me take you back to the first century, um, to a little place called Nazareth, to you're sitting in a seat in a synagogue, a group of people who are meeting together on the Sabbath in the town of Nazareth. Nazareth, a town that's not of great significance. In some senses, it's a population of about four or 500 people. And yet another sense, it's very important. It's the place where an angel spoke to a young woman and declared to her that she would miraculously give birth to the Messiah. It's the place where that baby Jesus of Nazareth was born and to that young woman. We don't know much about the town. We know it had a, a carpenter's shop where Joseph of Nazareth was the carpenter and eventually um, that's his son, Jesus, became a carpenter in that town as well. So you're in that place, in that synagogue in Nazareth. Um, and one day at the age of 30, that young tradie went on a preaching tour around Galilee, somehow understanding that his life as a carpenter was to be more than that. And he went around his area and um, spoke and great renown and great notoriety because of the amazing things he says because of his teaching. And so he comes back into the town and into the synagogue where you're seated. And one day he walks in and people are probably um, unsure what to think, what to feel. They've heard about this um, local who's, who's become renowned and in his area. And so he comes in and he sits down in the synagogue with you. It comes time to read the scriptures and um, it's his turn. We don't know why he was chosen. We don't know if he was chosen or he chose himself. But it came to the read the scriptures and the scriptures, which was the book of Isaiah or a scroll of Isaiah, was given to Jesus to read. No one told him where to read. No one told him where he should uh, flick into that book, if you like, or read from that scroll. Um, and he could have read from anywhere. He could have chosen scriptures that we know as um, now Isaiah 11. Of course, it wasn't scripture, chapter and verse for him, but we know it says that from the root of Jesse comes a branch and for him the spirit of the Lord will come upon him and the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of power, the spirit of, of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And this young man, Jesus, could have beat his chest and said, that's me, join with me, but he doesn't. It could have been what we now know as Isaiah 43, where the scriptures say, I have redeemed you. I've, no, I've called you by name. Child, you are mine. 
When you walk through the waters, I'll be there. When you, um, the rivers will not overflow you. When you walk through the flames, you will not be burnt. You will not be scorched for I'm the Lord your God. And he could have said, folks, that's me. Do you understand who I am? He could have picked that great vision passage from Isaiah 43. We know it as Isaiah 43, which says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up amongst you. Do not perceive it. Um, like streams in the desert, I'll provide a way in the wilderness. And he could have said, let's take the hill together and go forward and make a difference. But he doesn't pick any of those passages. He simply goes to what we know as two short verses in that place, in, in what's later become Isaiah 61 and repeated again in, in Luke chapter 4. He just says this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That's what Jesus says. There's the two verses and he rolls up the scroll and sits down. Amazing, just that's all he chooses, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor, vision for those who can't see, and freedom for those who are oppressed and overwhelmed. That's his calling. That's what he says he will do very early on in his ministry. You know, poverty is a horrific environment for anyone to experience. And poverty is not just a lack of material resources. It is about that. But poverty is about a robbery. You are robbed of resources, first and foremost. But you're also robbed of dignity. You're robbed of that, you know, sense of well-being. You're robbed of a choice and opportunity make, to make different choices. You, you don't choose which shoe you choose you wore to wear that day. You're just robbed. You're robbed of that sense of well-being, of how okay you are. And more than everything, you're robbed of hope. Poverty leaves you despairing. It leaves you overwhelmed and submerged under the weight of debt. And poverty is not just a humanitarian problem. It's not just something you throw resources at, you throw money at. It's not just an external problem. Poverty is a holistic problem. It has physical implications. We know that. But it has emotional implications. It affects us deep down. It leaves you with feelings of, of disempowerment. It has social implications. You, you live with the stigma in a community of being someone who's poor. And it has spiritual implications. It actually crushes your soul. And poverty is not just a developing world problem. We tend to think that's the case. It's very much alive here in Australia. Maybe a bit more disguised, maybe a bit more masked, but very much here in our, in our own nation. In Australia, for example, it can look like unemployment or can be re, you know, made by unemployment or underemployment. Housing stress can be a cause of poverty. Increasing costs of living. If you're a single parent, it can have tremendous impacts on, on your economic well-being. In inadequate welfare system where there's no net to catch all of your needs. It can be associated with physical or mental health challenges and it can be very rife in the disability sector. It just affects many areas of life. In fact, some of the, some of the stats from the last Australian Council of Social Services report says that there are more than 3 million Aussies living below the poverty line. That's over 10% of Australia. 
It says there are 750,000 plus children under the age of 15 and children in poverty are some of the most vulnerable people on this planet. Single parent families are more than three times the risk of falling into poverty than anybody else in our community. And there are many more stats that could be quoted, many more that can make a difference. And that's where CAP comes into its own, wanting to make a difference in all of those areas and wanting to make a difference in the holistic way that it, uh, that it can in people's lives, making life-changing changes. Natalie was a mum in great need. She was a single mum of five children. She got credit card debt that kept building and building and building to meet family needs. It kept piling up and she accumulated debt so much so that it was seemingly impossible to, to overcome. Debt way beyond her ability to manage. And uh, she sought help through a local uh, CAP centre. And uh, what would have taken her many, many years with great, great, great discipline to repay she found herself out of debt in 18 months. But more than that, she found herself, um, discovered the love of God and the care of a local church through that whole process. Take a look at Natalie's story. In 2010, that's when I had a um, traumatic event happen. And I worked for about eight months after that and then I couldn't work. I just struggled to work. I struggled with mental health and that's when like it, the bills probably didn't get paid at that point like I just gave up got back into work and I still couldn't pay and so I started like working on my mental health and that's when I got referred to Cap. The lady that showed up was Vanessa and then and she turned out to be my case worker that supported me the whole way through. I just felt um, an immediate connection with her. She was just a really lovely soul and uh, she really needed some help. She'd been through quite a lot of trauma when I'd met her and uh, has five children, um, two of them quite young. And so with her situation, she just couldn't see the forest from the tree. She, she wanted to get help, she was working, um, but she felt like she uh, was just working and not being able to get anywhere with her debt repayment. I saw like a weight, I suppose, lifted away from me because that they've taken all my money problems and they're putting it down on paper and working out, you know, what I can do. Working with Cap changed, I suppose, everything that, like, how I was living to how I live now. So doing it my way would have t taken me 25 years to get out of debt. Uh, doing it with Cap took me 18 months to get out of debt. Thank you to Cap for supporting me through this journey. It's been a long one. Poverty does not exist in a void. It does not exist in a vacuum. Um, it's a symptom of broken relationships. It's broken relationships with others where you, you cannot do what others do and you feel alienated sometimes from others in this world. It's a broken relationship with yourself. You have feelings of inadequacy and disempowerment because you, you have anxiety and fear about not being able to cope. It's a broken relationship with creation because you feel out of sorts with the world. And it's a broken relationship, of course, with God, with guilt and shame become the prevailing emotions, the prevailing thoughts in your life. How could I let things get this way? How could I get to the situation where I cannot um, provide for my family and myself? And Christians Against Poverty, or CAP, is about making a difference for those caught in the blight and the clutches of poverty. 
working alongside churches to form a formidable partnership. It's a holistic problem, so it requires a holistic solution, and that's what CAP do, bring a holistic solution. There is, of course, the, the pragmatic way of debt relief where people advocating on your behalf to those maybe who are creditors of yours and, in, and, and do that with great empathy and with great care, but also work with the local church and through the local church to provide training and, and opportunities to learn stewardship through CAP money courses and other courses, who develop debt centres at local churches which bring hope to people, who will stand with people in times of need, their greatest need, and who will guide people towards God who is for them and cares deeply about them. CAP Centre managers in that CAP Centre in the local church have a great ministry working with folk in their region. I love the stories that they bring. And Don is a great debt centre manager in Byford Baptist Church in Western Australia, leading the church's effort with people in that region and making a terrific impact in people's lives. Take a look. The biggest love in my life actually is people. I love dealing with people. Well, in, in the shop here, um, Anna and I have met so many people who were struggling in all areas of life, um, including financially. As to really helping people out of those situations, we felt very inadequate. Uh, but then a friend of ours came over from the UK uh, and told us about this organisation called Christians Against Poverty. And we're thinking, wow, that, that's, that could really work. Uh, it's a way of connecting with people, it's a way of helping people, and it's a way of them finding out about Jesus. His family walked in who we'd never seen before, and that was Brad and Mel and their lovely children. Brad came up to us, uh, obviously very nervous, and explained that he was going to prison in a few weeks' time because he'd pleaded guilty to charges that had mandatory sentencing. Yeah, when he was due for his last parole uh, interview, his parole officer and him come outside and waved for me to come inside. He said um, he has a pretty dark history, um, but she said um, he has been the best parolee we have ever had. I tell you now, if it wasn't for Wife of Baptist Church, I'd be still on the street doing the wrong thing, doing drugs, I can tell you that. Yeah. We're working with CAP to pay our debt back. Sometimes you'd be, oh, should I tell them my full story or should I, <laughs> you know what I mean? But they make you feel comfortable where you can, so. If you want to get serious about the gospel, then you've got to get out there and mix with people. It's no good sitting in church. All the programs in the world, all the fancy stuff in the world, and you open the doors and say, everybody welcome, it ain't gonna work. What works is getting out there in the community, mixing with people, rubbing shoulders with them, serving them. Don't think about it for too long, just do it. We were in dire circumstances, but there are people who are in much worse need than us. Has done great things for us. I love stories of impact and transformation. I love stories where people's lives are turned around and are given hope and opportunity going forward. I want you to imagine the local church at the forefront with the gospel, including good news for the poor, forging deep relationships with people in the community. Imagine a movement of churches in Australia spreading the holistic message of hope that exists in Jesus and disseminated by the church. 
Imagine Australia having a network of grassroots churches bringing freedom to their communities. And dare, just dare to imagine a world where justice, generosity and wise stewardship abound and people are restored to right relationships with God, his creation, with others and themselves. You can help towards the trajectory of that world. Let me take you back again to that seat in the synagogue that I asked you to imagine at the beginning of this time. Jesus read those two verses. He read, you know, and then he closed the scroll up and sat down. And I don't know whether people might have been disappointed with this now well-known local who comes in and simply reads only two verses. Perhaps they were expecting him to, to read more. Perhaps they wanted him to, to say more. But he, he sits down and perhaps even discerning that there's a little bit of murmuring around the room, says something more. He he says, the scriptures say, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Say it again, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, that's what I'm about. That's what I've come to do. This is what the Jesus of Nazareth, who you know, is now here to fulfill. And if you want to follow me, by implication, if you follow me then or now, that is what you're about also. You're about bringing good news to the poor. You're about bringing recovery of sight to the blind. You're about bringing freedom to the oppressed. That is what you're for too. And, and that requires action, not just discussion or debate. It requires action. I've had the joy of witnessing transformed lives in many places around the world. People's lives transformed by um, hope and opportunity. I've witnessed for myself when dignity has returned. I've seen people's opportunities being taken and, and fulfilled. I've seen hope restored and dreams developed. And it's a wonderful thing to see that happen, the, the outworking of the gospel in people's lives. When lives get turned around, when families look up now and communities are forged and formed. So I want to urge you to make a difference. You can do that in lots of ways. You can give, you can pray, you can encourage people and do yourself stewardship courses like the cap money course maybe you can even develop a cap center in your local church you can see lives transformed but let me give you some very pragmatic action steps that you can take today at the end of this time when i speak you'll see some opportunities on the screen get your phone out and type in unpackpoverty.org or you can scan the qr code that exists on the screen Enter your details, click submit, and you will receive a whole bunch of resources that tell you a little bit more about poverty, what it means, how you can help in more detail, and how you can make a difference. You know, it's true to say that nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. You can do something today to make a difference in the lives of people caught in the clutches of poverty. So take that step, take maybe more than one step, and make a difference. You'll be actively living out the gospel as you do. Blessings to you. Thank you, Tim. And thank you to you as a church for being part of Cap Sunday.
As Tim said, today everyone can do something. There are people waking up today in the middle of these very difficult circumstances without hope and you can bring hope to them. You can be part of the solution. I would love for you to go and visit unpackpoverty.org and complete your details. You will be coming part of the solution. And maybe today you could consider giving a regular gift to Christians Against Poverty and becoming a life changer. Life changes make a huge difference in the individual lives of people all across this nation. It doesn't matter on the amount, but if you could give a small amount, it would make a huge difference. Thank you from me and thank you for being part of the solution.